I am so excited to be having this conversation with Tori Dunlap from her first 100K. And part of the reason I'm excited to talk to you about this one, you are a unique voice and like a unique presence, I feel like, in this space. And there's so many things that like I watch you do and I go, huh, that's interesting and amazing. Like, oh, I was going to say, the it- <laughs> I'm like, I hope that's a compliment. Like, that's yes. interesting. <laughs> You're one of the few people who gives me pause. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. One of the things that I find is really interesting about your brand and you personally is I feel like you're extremely bold in your content, in your brand, in who you are, in what you think, in what you feel, even though every time we're bold, it elicits like more support, but also more criticism. Yes. Was this something that like going in, you knew you wanted as part of your brand? Yes, but not to the extent with which I operate my brand every day. So I come from a marketing background. So I did social media marketing for almost five years and then built her first 100K on the side. And what I realized in learning marketing 101, learning how to brand yourself, is that if you are everything to everybody, you end up being nothing to nobody. Entrepreneurs, when they get going, that's a common mistake, is they think to themselves, Okay, well, I don't want to ostracize everybody or anybody. I want to make sure that I get as many clients as I can or as many followers as I can. I'm just going to be really general. And of course, in doing so, you don't have anybody who can subscribe to you or what you're doing because they're like, I don't understand. Like, who is she? What does she she do? What does she sell? Is this for me? And so I got really distinct on who my customer was. And in doing so, I now have hundreds of thousands, millions at this point, I think of women who are so tapped in to the mission of her first 100K, to what I do, to why it's important. I also, of course, have a bunch of people who don't get it and who are not part of that sphere. So it was a very intentional choice to niche down and to target a particular group of people. And the more I just learn about financial inequality, about racial inequality, about gender inequality, right? All of these pieces, I can't help but be bold. <laughs> Once you realize just how unequal the financial system is, I just feel like you can't have conversations that don't acknowledge that too. And pissed a lot of people off. It's also not only gained me followers and supporters, but also feels good for me. I would rather go out and lead with a mission and lead with my values, even if it upsets people or even if it ostracizes some people, if it means that it's the thing I really want to do. So in this process, and it's something I talk about in the book, you have to wade through all the people it's not for to find the people it's for. Like that's part of the process. You can't just like find your perfect audience and like not stumble across that person who goes, oh, actually that's not for me. But how do you deal with sometimes very vocal expression of not only is this not for me, but they take it a step further, like, actually, I think you're wrong. And how dare you? How yeah. dare you have have yeah. a voice and a body and a, yeah. No, I mean, I'm literally coming off. This is so funny. We're recording this today. It was Valentine's Day this past weekend, and I posted a photo of me in my underwear. And it was not really that provocative. It was just a photo of me in my underwear. 
And the majority of people were all for it. And some people were really upset by it. And honestly, it was the perfect marketing tip. If you really want to figure out who your audience is, post a photo of your underwear. Because suddenly, (laughs) right, I lost 2,000 followers. I had people just show themselves out. And so for me, it was like, okay, this is not for you. But in terms of, yeah, that feedback, I'm used to a lot of vitriolic feedback from men. It hurts different when it's women because that is my target market. And it's not even that it hurts me personally. I've kind of moved past that generally. Now it's just like, oh, like I want you to support other women. I I feel badly that you feel this upset about this thing that doesn't concern you. And so I think what I've realized is everybody's going to give you feedback. Everybody. Only you can decide what feedback is worthwhile. And so the question I always ask myself is who deserves to give me feedback? Is it the person who has only been following me for a couple days and knows nothing about who I am or what I do or my brand and feels like they are the experts? No. Is it the person who, you know, sees one one interaction or video of me and decides they're going to form an entire opinion about who I am as a person? Also, no. It's friends and clients and people who've been with me for a while and people who, yeah, are allowed to give you feedback, people who have some sort of commitment or you know, partnership in your success. They want to see you succeed. They're giving you feedback because they want you to be better or they want you to show up in this way as opposed to giving you feedback to tear you down, right? So that's a question I ask myself all the time is has this person earned the right to give me feedback? And if they haven't, great, we move along. Yeah, I in the book I wrote about how much volume do different types of people get? How loudly does their voice get to be heard because different groups of people deserve a different amount of volume in your life, in your business. Right. And if I have a woman, you know, a white woman who's coming to tell me that, you know, maybe something I said is, you know, racially problematic, I'm going to give her less credit than a black woman who's saying the same thing. Right. Because to your point, there's people who deserve to give you feedback, especially from their lived experience or what they're talking about. Right. So that's something to weigh in as well. You know, same thing with gender. If you're saying something that could potentially be problematic or, you know, sexist, I'm going to give a lot more credit to a woman than I am to a man in that situation. So that post was really interesting as I was reading through (laughs) all of the comments. (laughs) Um, Because it was like there were two very distinct groups of commenters. And there wasn't a lot of people in the middle. So when we're thinking about this idea of volume, when you see some of those very kind of judgmental, harsh, like... Oh, so judgmental. How do you mentally, like process that or emotionally kind of respond to that? Does it bother you or do you have a different relationship with that feedback? I mean, I'd be lying if I said like, oh, I'm completely fine. I read those and I'm fine. Especially like I I went kind of a negative viral back in November for a TikTok that I did about influencers charging more and brands not paying people enough and A lot of support, but also a lot of people up in arms. And that was the next level of haters, trolls. That was death threats. That was emails telling me to sit down and know my place and shut up. And it was like nothing I've ever experienced. That was a really hard week. That was a week where I just completely went dark on social media because I was like, I don't know how to handle this. And I didn't feel bad. Like there was nothing 
for me that I felt I needed to apologize for. You know, it was a lot of internalized misogyny kind of <laughs> coming to the surface. And so, yeah, I'd be lying if it's a, if I said, yeah, we just it just rolls off my back. But the thing that happened this weekend around my photo in my underwear, like that for me is less, oh, I feel personally bad or I, you know, they make me feel bad about my own self and more just like, wow, I'm really, I'm truly sad that you see the world like this. Like, I'm truly sad that you feel the need to come on and tell me that this is not my brand, which you don't get to decide that. It's it's my brand. You don't get to tell me what is or it is not my brand. And, you know, shaming me and, you know, judging me for posting a photo in my underwear, having body hair, being a certain weight or a certain body type. Like, it was more just sad because it's truly, it's so hard for women or for any marginalized group. And the more we gang up on each other, the harder it is. And so for that, that was just one of those moments of just like, gosh, sometimes I think better of the world than it actually is. Yeah. So yeah, like that, it was that sort of moment. And I had, I just had to like wash my hands of it and just leave. Cause I was like, I'm not going to defend my choices here. I'm not going to like respond to all these comments. It's not a good use of my time. It's not a good use of my energy. I'm not going to change anybody's minds. And I think that's the other thing about any sort of online sphere, right? There's not a lot of places anymore where you can have actual conversations about things where your mind could potentially be shifted or your opinion could potentially be shifted. And I'm guilty of this too. I think we're just all so riled up with everything that's happening in the world that there's no spaces to have discussions that are kind and that are focused on, you know, seeing the best in you first and they're then hearing your opinion. And frankly, I don't think the internet is a good place for it in general. It's really, you know, you're not seeing somebody necessarily, you're not seeing their body language, you don't know them, right? So yeah, it's just a larger conversation about like, how do we choose to show up online? How do we choose whose content to consume, whose we leave behind? And also, you know, if we make assumptions about the people whose content we're consuming, is that an actual thing that's happening? Or am I projecting what I think they should do or who I think they should be onto them? And also they're total strangers. (laughs) Like we think we know people online and we kind of do. But like, you know, if you're following me and we've never met in real life, you really don't know who I am. You know, you don't know my business. You don't know my likes or dislikes, you don't know what's happening to me in a day-to-day basis, right? And I think that that's also part of this is like, we think we know people and then we're somehow disappointed when they show up as a different person or a different, you know, they choose something different than we thought. Now I'm on a rant, but I think, yeah, it's just very interesting, the online space. And it's very interesting having these really personal relationships with followers or with supporters, while also at the same time, trying to maintain your own autonomy. One of the things I write about, and I would love to hear your take on, is the gift of being misunderstood. Like you mentioned, just not trying to like change people's minds and explain everything and defend yourself. Is that something you feel like you've arrived at? Is that something that you had when you first started? Like, I'm okay with people just not getting it and not understanding me and not understanding my intention and not understanding my brand and like kind of, yeah, giving yourself that gift. The first time my story was ever really public, uh, it was March 2019, and uh, I had uh, a piece on Market Watch. They wrote up a piece about my journey to saving 100K, and that was really kind of the first domino in all of the craziness around my brand, which was so exciting. 
the thing with MarketWatch's audience is that they skew old, white, and male. So 95% of the commenters did not get it and were very vocal about it. And we're just like, why does this have to be a woman's issue? Why can't she just talk about money and personal finance? She doesn't have to bring feminism in it. Like one of my favorite comments was, she lost me at cisgender. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it was one of those moments, like, especially like I had just rebranded in February. So a month before, and I was trying to figure out, yeah, how I was going to show up. And that was a turning point for me. It could have either been, okay, gosh, pissed a lot of people off or made a lot of people upset. I'm going to reroute and I'm just going to play it safe. And I'm just going to, you know, give all this information, but not brand it for women or not say feminist. And that wasn't mean. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I did make a really intentional choice early that like I was going to show up with the potential to not make everybody happy. I think in doing so, right. Again, I think the comments that hit me hardest are from women. They are from women, you know, who are in my target audience, who who are people that I want to have part of this community. And when that happens, sort of negative comments or criticism from women, that does hit differently than, you know, if a man said it to me. But at the same time, you know, it's just obviously admitting and acknowledging if you have messed up, if you have, you know, if there's something that you have done that that is deserving of criticism and learning from that and moving forward but also checking yourself. Like that thing that happened in November, I went to, you know, people who I trust and people who deserve to give me feedback. And I was like, am I in the wrong here? And they were like, I don't think so. I think you're fine. And I'm like, okay, I don't have anything to apologize for then I'm owning it. So I made a very intentional choice early that I was going to, yeah, talk about money through the lens of gender and race and inequality and all of these things. And I've never once really consider doing anything differently. I want to loop back to that incident in November because I was writing a chapter. There's a chapter about like, what do you do when everything kind of hits the fan? Like, <laughs> yeah. what does that triage look like? And I was writing it in November as as I saw this thing happen online. And I was like, I really want to talk to Tori about this, but I'm going to give her a couple of months because... Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, I could not have talked about it then. Just couldn't have. Yeah. You probably have to bleep this out. It was a shitstorm. Like, it was a full-on shitstorm. Like, it was a hate comment every five seconds. And then I turned off comments for that video. And then people went to other videos to comment. And then I responded in a video because I felt like I needed to. And the big thing, what I realized, is that if people are already pissed at you, nothing you say or do is going to look good. That's the crazy thing. So I turned off comments to protect myself and to protect my energy. And also because it's my space and my platform and I am allowed to do that. I'm allowed to block people. I'm allowed to turn off comments. And then people went to comments on other videos and said, oh, you're turning off comments because you can't take it. Or like, you can't take this criticism. And then when you respond, right, when you try to explain with further nuance, people are like, you're defending your actions. Like, why do you feel like you need to defend yourself? And then if you don't comment, people are like, oh, so you're just like, you're not going to apologize. You're not going to say anything. So that's the big thing I realized (laughs) that like, when it is a shitstorm, nothing you say or do, people are going to be okay with. And then you also again go to are the people who I care about in terms of their opinion and their feedback, are they the ones who have this constructive criticism? And if not, take it with a grain of salt. 
In terms of the actual logistics, yeah, it was really, it was a, uh, it was about a week and a half, but it was really bad for about three days. And I just had to fully delete the apps off my phone. And then I had my team check because they had a level of separation and they could just check in and see, obviously it was bad, but like how bad was it? And the other thing that happened was we were talking about this before we started recording. Like I had so many entrepreneur friends who I reached out to and asked, you know, what would you do? How would you go about doing this? And one of them, who's one of my really good friends, she was checking in and telling me some of the comments and it was not good. Like I I couldn't hear it because I knew I couldn't respond. And I just had to tell her, I was just like, I love you. I know you're looking out for me. I can't hear this right now. I know you're trying to do like the PR crisis management for me. And I so appreciate that, but I, I can't hear this right now. And so it's also about setting boundaries too around, yeah, do you need to delete the apps from your phone? Do you need to not look at comments? Do you need to turn comments off? Do you need to block people? Do you need to tell people in your life, like, don't look? Or like, if you're going to look, I don't want to hear about it. It's been really interesting because my brand kind of really exploded in 2020. This time last year, I had 30,000 followers. Now I have over a million. And I'm really still trying to figure out how to manage that. Because I now realize I'm running a big boy business and I have to do big boy things. You know, I have to, I have to show up in a different way. I have to protect my energy in a different way than when I had 30,000. And I haven't fully figured that out yet. But yeah, setting boundaries, super important. Also realizing it feels like the end of the world. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You're going to be fine. I get the occasional comment about it still, but like very few people remember it. And again, the people who are subscribed to you and subscribe to your mission are not going anywhere. So if you are going through it, if you're in the thick of it and it feels so awful and you're like, oh my God, this, like, how am I going to get through this both personally and professionally? Like, how is my business going to make it through? You'll be fine. It will blow over. It's the internet. Things come really quickly and everybody's up in arms and then it blows over in, you know, a week or a month or whatever that looks like. So that's the other thing that I kept hearing from people and had to keep reminding myself is that it's not the end of the world. It feels like the end of the world. It feels awful, but this will blow over. I think I remember seeing your response post. Yeah. Being on this side of it now, would you have done anything differently? Do you think that was helpful? You know, next time when this happens, because it will happen again. They, yeah. <laughs> it will happen again. Anything you would do different next time. Yeah, I mean, the conversation, and you can watch the video, it's on TikTok still, I didn't take it down, was all just, I got reached out to for a brand campaign from a large brand. And, you know, I had over 800,000 followers on TikTok, and they were going to pay me $1,000 for two videos, which if you're not in the influencer space or the content creative space, you know that that's not a great rate. That's really low. And one of the things, you know, I just kind of did an off the cuff video that I barely thought through, which... That's tip number one. Make sure you think through your videos before you do them. But it was an off-the-cuff video where I was just like, stop doing this. Like, if you're a brand, stop doing this because it's women and people of color largely who are in the influencer industry. And we are the ones who are, you know, being punished for negotiating or just taking rates that are way too low. And like, I need you to stop doing this. And so the big controversy was like, you're complaining about money. You should just be grateful for what you have which is a whole larger conversation that we get told as women all the time, which is just be grateful for your money and sit down and shut up and don't ask for anything more. And how dare you ask for, for what you know you're worth. 
So yeah, one, I pride myself in creating content quickly and, and doing it in an authentic way. That post, you know, I could have done it in a more nuanced way if I thought through it first. The second is that TikTok is not really the platform for those conversations. It would have been a much better conversation to have on Instagram. One, because people largely know me better on Instagram. People have more touch points with me. They know generally who I am and what I talk about. The great thing about TikTok is a bunch of people are seeing your videos who haven't seen them before. But of course, a bunch of people are seeing your videos who haven't seen you before. So they make 40 second snap judgments about who you are. So it would have been better conversation to have on Instagram. I could have written more. I could have more nuance there. And three, like I stand by what I said. I don't think anything differently. I do understand though that we are in the midst of a global pandemic and that a lot of people don't want to hear other people complain about money. So again, that nuance is lacking in a video. And if you don't know who I am and there's a lot of that. So you wish I would have done it on a separate platform Wish I would have had a larger conversation about it because it's still something that we need to discuss. And I think people also hear the word influencer and they're like, ew, gross, that's not a real job. (laughs) So, you know, it's just that too. But in my reflection post, I think you're talking about, yeah, I did like 12 things that I learned from it. And it was all those three things. It was also just, yeah, who's allowed to give you feedback? What happens when, when the shit storm comes and how do you deal with that? And how do you set your boundaries? And I also just realized, you know, I'm way stronger than I give myself credit for, which is also a fun outcome of all of this is 2020 was one of the hardest, probably the hardest year of my life for, I think most people it was the hardest year. And that came at the tail end. It was like November, December. And I was like, Oh God, this year is sucked. And this, <laughs> so it was just a matter of realizing like, yeah, we got through all of the rest of it and I'll get through this too. I would love to hear your take on because this is one of those things that I'm constantly perplexed and amazed the like confidence and like persistence of you pitching yourself yeah and just from the outside as an observer I see it all the time on social media and I'm like damn I do it all the time it's like it's like it's bold and it's direct and I'm like it's very public and if it doesn't work out it's very public yeah (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure the other side of that is like opening yourself up to so much more rejection. Yeah. How do you view that? How do you kind of organize that in your brain? Just constantly putting yourself out there to like experience more rejection. I love that question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I came from a theater background. So I majored in organizational communication and theater in college, which was like marketing with less math and then drama. So I started acting when I was five. And one of the things you realize very quickly is that you're going to hear like 99 no's to your one yes. And that yes could change your life. I mean, I still, it's like in the back recesses of my mind of auditions that went so poorly. I remember auditioning for Fiddler on the Roof when I was like 12 and I opened my mouth and nothing came out. And it was so embarrassing. Like I was there to sing and I was so nervous that like nothing came out of my mouth. And that still haunts me to this day. And, you know, there was other times where I put myself out there and I was like, you know, the only person in the room, in the audition room who was doing this different thing. And I got the gig because of it. So I've learned I'm 26. So for 20 years of my life that you will get rejected if you put yourself out there, you will also get some of the coolest opportunities. So I was on Good Morning America purely because I pitched myself for this thing that got me to this thing that got me to this thing. So like pitched myself on all these different places, pitched myself 
chased down a reporter at New York Magazine and figured out that our mutual friends from Bitches Get Riches knew somebody there, asked them for an intro, got an intro, did the piece there, and Good Morning America found me through that piece. Our mutual friend Bobby over at, is it Millennial Money Man, right? He was writing for Forbes. He's only written two pieces. I slid in his DMs. I'm like, hi, Bobby. I think you should write a piece about me. If you be, I would be honored if you'd be so willing. Here's why. And literally in his first paragraph on his Forbes piece about me was basically like, she chased me down and got it. And I literally have a quote. This is the only quote that's up here on my window. And it says, to say Tori Dunlap is determined might be an understatement, which is the <laughs> opening piece or opening line of that piece. So it's also vulnerability, right? It is the ultimate ways to practice vulnerability, which is my core value of like, you got to put yourself out there. And you're going to hear no, and you're going to be told no so many times, and you're also going to get a yes. And that yes could be absolutely life-changing. Yeah, it's just a good practice in showing up for yourself and putting yourself out there, being vulnerable and potentially hearing no. And also knowing that that no is not no to you personally or no forever. It might not be the right time. It might not be the right place. I find most success comes out of a practice of empathy, like really understanding what other people need and want and what they're struggling with and how you can position yourself as the solution, how you can be part of the solution because reporters and writers, like the problem is they need stories, right? (laughs) They need good stories. And seeing that is like, let me help you help me. When I pitch people, I think in terms of headlines That's a really actionable tip that people can use when you are pitching reporters. Be really clear as to what the piece is about and what the headline is for the piece. Because headlines are the way that sales are driven for media companies now. So woman saves money, that's not a great headline. (laughs) 25-year-old saves 100K, that's a good headline, right? So you also want to think in terms of what the story is going to be, how it's going to sell, Because the story, of course, is important, but media companies are looking to make money and they make money off of drawing people in, right? So if you can write a headline basically for the writer, their work's halfway done. They just have to fill in the gaps in the piece. Make their job as easy for them as possible. Have a media kit that's easily accessible with photos, with photo credit for those photographers. You know, have your bio written up already, have links to different places or different expertise or different tips. If you can make their job really easy, they're more likely to work with you the first time and keep working with you again after. Last question. Because this year, your brand and your online visibility has exploded so much. I know a lot of creatives, a lot of entrepreneurs are in kind of the comfortable safe spot. It's working well enough. Do I really want to go that much bigger and expose myself to that much more criticism, to that much more complexity of life? Any advice you have for that person who's like, it's working in their small safe space, but is nervous about that next level? It's interesting you pose that question to me right now because I have always known that I'm not going to be okay with safe, but I'm also understanding what that means for my privacy, for my own personal safety. I literally had a conversation with my friend last week who's a lawyer who's like, you need to get an attorney. Like you need to start bringing people on who are $500 an hour, but also who are, you know, there to help you navigate this. 
because yeah, I, I'm going through that right now and knowing I want more, but that puts me in a very vulnerable place, both good and bad, right? Good vulnerability and also potentially damaging. The first question I would ask is like, what do you want? That sounds so simple, but like plenty of my friends are really good with having, you know, a hundred to 200 K businesses that can support themselves and that, you know, they put themselves out at a moderate level and that feels great for them. They're not really interested in growth. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. There's other people like myself who are like, okay, what's sky's the limit? We're going all the way there. So decide what do you actually want? How will it affect you, your choice, and how are you going to protect yourself as you go? Both legally, emotionally, privacy, all of it. Like, how are you going to make sure you're setting boundaries? And that's the question I'm asking myself this year. We're in the midst as a team of kind of separating me from the brand. It'll still be mine, right? Or still be my company, but it'll be less Tori Dunlap face of her first 100K and more her first 100K that happens to be owned by Tori Dunlap. So that switch is something that we're intentionally making. And that might be a switch for any entrepreneurs listening to this of like, do you need to be so front facing anymore? Or can you be involved still, of course, but have it let be less of your baby? Yeah. How do you want to show up? Do you want to continue being the forefront, you want to show up on video and show up on podcasts and show up on Instagram, or do you want to take more of a backseat? If you are the person who's like, I want to go big, but I can't stop playing it safe, there's a deeper why there. You know, do you not feel you're worthy of going bigger? Do you do you feel like you're gonna fail? Do you feel like you will get attacked or something will happen? And then you make contingency plans for all of it. There's only so much you can plan for, but what you can plan for is how you are going to react in the moment. And that comes from habits that you're doing over time. So I knew that at some point shit was going to hit the fan because like that's going to happen. And so I had to decide even, you know, three years ago what that was going to look like and how I was going to respond. And although that shifts and alters a little bit when it's happening, you know, you get to decide, you know, how am I going to show up with my values? How am I going to respond to this based on what I decided for myself when I first got started? So yeah, if you're ready to go big, but you're wondering if you can or if you should, probe deeper into that. Ask yourself, why are you limiting yourself? And if it's because of somebody else, if it's if it's somebody else, well, I'm just going to call bullshit right now. No, do not limit yourself, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're a person of color. Please do not limit yourself because the world is harsh. Because the world will always be harsh, quite frankly. It will also be joyful and beautiful and lovely. And so I think we also, (laughs) I could talk forever about this, so stop me whenever. But I realized like the other thing that I'm so guilty of that I think all of us are is I read the one hate comment and that stays with me for weeks. But the hundreds, thousands of comments that I get about my impact on people's lives, I go, oh, that's really sweet. That's really kind. And then I kind of forget about it. And it's not that I don't remember these people's stories, but it's not, they don't stay with me in the same way that that really threatening message did or that really, you know, harsh thing did. And so that's the other thing is, is when you get good feedback, save it, keep it, go to it because you're going to need it when, when things are hard. And you also need to give as much weight to the good feedback as you do to the negative or constructive criticism. That's something I'm actively practicing right now. And if you are limiting yourself because you're afraid of the criticism, you are also limiting yourself from the opportunity to change people's lives. 
So if you don't do things, if you don't live your fullest potential in your business or your fullest potential in your life, yes, you are protecting yourself, right? But you're also not experiencing the joy and the beauty and the change that can happen if you build a community too. It's just like anything good in life, right? It is putting yourself out there. Yes, you can get rejected. You also will never have the opportunity for anything more either because you never went for it. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Tori. (laughs) Of course. I feel like I rambled through all of this, but, you know, hopefully some of it was helpful. It's still something that I'm processing. This year's been a lot in a lot of different ways, and that was the just a constant navigation to figure out what I want to do and how I want to show up and make sure that it subscribes to who I am as a person and my values. And I always encourage people when they're getting started, because we have so many fears that are like 10 steps ahead of us. The joy of when you're getting started is that like you're kind of invisible and nobody knows who you yes. are and nobody cares. Oh, and the good old No days. one is paying attention. <laughs> no, they're not. So like you get to learn as you go and you get to figure it out as you go and you get some practice. And I figured out like, yeah, it was Victory Media, which was my previous brand for, I think, for like two and a half years before I rebranded her for 100K. And that's when everything took off. But it was also, I had to go through those two years to realize what I wanted to talk about or how I wanted to show up and how I wanted to serve people and provide value. And yeah, and also in doing so, I learned a lot, again, about cementing my values, about, you know, if I get the business that I want, which I now have, which is so cool, how does that not change in terms of my values and in terms of how I want to show up? So Yeah. And I love, yeah, being able to make mistakes. You can make mistakes always, but especially yeah, when you're tiny and no one cares, that's a great time to try things and obviously still be kind. Like this is not the time to start like saying racist things, but like, you know, being (laughs) kind and, and, you know, showing up and yeah, trying this and, oh, this didn't work or this didn't feel right. Or, oh, this is, yeah, this is not how I want to show up. So yeah, I love that advice too. Hey, where should people go to find out more about you? (laughs) Yeah. Again, my name is Tori Dunlap. I run Her First 100K. Uh, so you can go to herfirst100k.com or uh, Her First 100K on all the socials, H-E-R-F-I-R-S-T-1-0-0-K. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.